Hi there. Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm an experienced registered yoga teacher, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur at heart, running my own yoga business and building my personal brand. My goal here is to provide you, the yoga teacher or fitness professional, with interesting, compelling content designed to pique your interest in teaching, help you grow as a teacher, and support you on your path to sharing this wonderful practice with your students and growing your business along the way. I've been teaching for over 16 years and through my classes, workshops, online courses, books, and other content, I focus on the anatomy of yoga and how teachers can learn this complex subject and present it to their students in an understandable way, all designed to help them bring more impact to their teaching. Even though we're not in the same room, I want you to envision for each episode that we've sat down for tea in a cozy coffee shop. Some days we'll talk about technical teaching topics. Some days we might have a teacher friend join in on the conversation. And other days we'll face some of the personal challenges that definitely come up when we take on the journey of a yoga teacher, knowing that the more authentic we can be, the more we can impact others. For more information about my products and programs and to contact me at any time, please visit my website at barebonesyoga.com. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, everybody. Hello, hello. Hi, everybody. This is Karen Fabian, founder of Bare Bones Yoga, and welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. So here we are at episode 57, and I want to just start out by thanking you so much for listening, because I'm recording this here on February 3rd, and last week, the podcast had the most downloads ever at just shy by nine uh, downloads of hitting a thousand downloads in one week. And that absolutely blows my mind. I am so excited that um, you all are listening and we're building this community of yoga teachers who are listening to this podcast. Now, I want to start out by saying I would love to hear what you think about the podcast. And the best way for me to do that is for you to write a review on iTunes. So I would love if you would take a minute, uh, I'm sure you're listening right there on your iPhone, to just pull up the podcast and uh, in Apple, iTunes, and just write, write a quick review. I would so appreciate it. And I would love to hear what you think. Um, so last week, I had a particular focus, which was I really um, made the episodes shorter. Usually they're about 45 minutes to an hour, but I really kept them to about 20 minutes. And I did get some feedback that people really liked that. And the reason I kept them short is because it was a series. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to the series, it's episode 53, 54, 55, and 56. And it was really um, kind of a learning journey around anatomy, ending with Thursday's episode um, that was released on January 30th, which was my offer to you to enroll in a learning program all designed 
to do really a number of things that I talked about throughout the podcast series, not the least of which is helping you build your confidence as a teacher. And so this offer, this opportunity for you to enroll in this program is only available until February 7th. And I'm recording this episode on the 3rd. It's probably going to be released within the next day or so. So when you listen to this, you've only got probably 48 to 72 hours left to enroll. And I want to remind you that, of course, because you're listening, <laughs> you don't have a link to click. So all I want you to do is just go on Instagram and send me a direct message. My Instagram handle is barebonesyoga, or you can just email me, karen at barebonesyoga.com. And if you're listening um, today and you are interested, don't forget to do that. I know how easy it is to get caught up in your day. You listen to the podcast, you go on with doing whatever it is you need to do. But I don't want you to forget that you had this thought in your mind that this might be something you'd want to check out further. And keep in mind, when you DM me, it's not a commitment. You're just basically saying, hey, I'd like to see the offer. I want you to think of this offer like a gift, like I'm giving you a present, because honestly, <laughs> that's what it is. I crafted this order uh, offer myself, and I did it with yoga teachers in mind in terms of how can I offer them something that's going to save them time, save them money, save them anxiety, and get them where they want to be faster. And by where they want to be faster, it's more confidence, more clarity, more impact as a teacher. <clears throat> and so don't forget, DM me on Instagram, Barebones Yoga, or just send me uh, an email, Karen at Barebones Yoga, and I'll send you the offer. It's just a link that you click and you can take a look at all that's uh, being offered. So today what I wanted to talk about is what I believe are the five pillars of powerful teaching. And you may have seen over the years um, a number of different articles where people say where the author might have a headline like, you know, um, 10 best, 10 qualities of the most popular yoga teachers or the best qualities of the most effective teachers, right? So these are, of course, clickbait, <laughs> uh, you know, titles. And, um, you know, it's geared up to get you to click, to see. And so, you know, I think when those articles are written, you know, there are probably a number of different qualities that they discuss as, you know, what kinds of things do you want to embody to be an effective teacher? And so what I wanted to do is talk about it more from the point of view of being a powerful teacher. And I don't mean powerful in the literal sense, right? Like you could pick up a car. What I mean is powerful along the lines of five different um, qualities, five different qualities. And, you know, I want to as I go through them one by one, and I'm actually doing Instagram posts and social media posts all this week, highlighting each quality individually. And I wanted to do this podcast episode so you could hear them all in one fell swoop and really understand how they all knit together in a way. And um, I wanted to start out by just sharing a little story with you. So when I started teaching in 2002, um, I had graduated from my 200-hour training with Baron Baptiste. And shortly thereafter, I got 
an opportunity to teach for him at his flagship studio in Boston. The original studio opened in Cambridge and the second one opened in Boston on Columbus Ave. And this was back in like 2003 or four. And I remember when I would go to teach and at that point I was living in Boston, but the studio was far enough that it was easier for me to drive. And I remember distinctly, I used to drive to the studio I'd get there about a half an hour before I had to be in the studio. And I would literally sit in my car and be terrified to go in. And I just had all this anxiety over teaching. And it was so interesting to me because I've never been a fearful person. I've never been a shy person. Um, I grew up in, you know, kind of a very musical family. I was in plays, I would sing on stage. I mean, I didn't get stage fright. I had a corporate career before I quit that to teach yoga. I gave public presentations. I get, uh, gave, you know, all different kinds of, you know, talks in front of live audiences. But something about yoga teaching was different. And, and a lot of it had to do with my fear that people would judge me. And I think this is a pretty common uh, thought that teachers have is that feeling that you're going to be judged for how you're coming across. And that can really get in the way of you sharing authentically. And, you know, on, on many levels, there's a lot of kind of self-work and personal work that I needed to do in order to really get to the root of that and get past it. However, <laughs> part of the challenge was for me, and I think, again, this is also common, because I didn't know how to share the knowledge I had from yoga training. And for me, I had also been in a physical therapy program and a rehab counseling program as an undergraduate, uh, as part of my academic training. So I had medical knowledge, clinical knowledge. I'd worked in hospitals with patients and rehab settings. And so I had really good, a really good understanding of functional anatomy and how to apply it to people. And so you'd think I'd be like jumping into the studio so eager to teach, but no, because I didn't have a way to frame what I knew so that it was understandable for my students in the context of yoga, right? And I can definitely say when I teach uh, groups of teachers now, I have sometimes doctors or PTs, OTs, speech therapists, uh, massage therapists, people with clinical knowledge, and they totally absorb the information and say to me afterwards, you know, I never really thought about it through the lens of being a yoga teacher. So it's, it's way different, right? Just because you know the bones and the muscles, being able to share that information as a teacher is different than if you're sharing it as a doctor or a physical therapist, et cetera. So having said that, you know, my experiences <laughs> in the first few years of teaching were pretty, pretty traumatic. I mean, I guess traumatic's not, bit, not the best word. I, I guess it was just a big challenge for me. And it really took many years for me to find the zone, right? And one of the things that really helped me was building a format and an approach to sharing my anatomy knowledge with my students, because then I had kind of the content down. And so I didn't have to worry about that. So let me go into with you 
what these five, what I believe these five pillars of pow powerful teaching are. So the first one is confidence, right? And, and in the example I just gave you, you can imagine when I stood up in front of the class, I was not confident. My body language definitely, you know, showed that I was, you know, kind of fiddling with things. I'd drink water in the middle of teaching. I'd, you know, at that point I wasn't using music at all, but I would constantly be going to pretend I was checking on the heat. I would come into the room and I wouldn't go in front of the class and look at them. As soon as I came into the room, I would ask them to come into child's pose or down dog so I could get in front of the room and they didn't have to see me and start judging me by looking at me. You know, there were all these little things I did really intentionally to try to hide in a way, which again is so bizarre because no one knowing me in my life would ever say that was the kind of person I was. But yet when I stood in front of class, that was kind of in a way part of a persona I put on. And so I think for you, if you're listening and thinking this resonates with you in any way, you know what your own behaviors are when you're not feeling confident. So now I want you to think about when you close your eyes and think about what you would look like as a confident teacher, what does that look like? What does that sound like? You know, I can relate in the past year or so, I've really hit my stride with teaching and it's taken, I mean, I've been teaching 15, 16 years and, you know, it's been a, a long process for me, but I have just such a quiet confidence now where I share things and I really don't, <laughs> this is gonna sound weird, but I really don't care what people think. And it's not that I say things that are, you know, particularly controversial or are meant to provoke. I just share from my heart with the intention behind it of being of service. And even before when I was doing that, that was still the intention, but somehow I got all wrapped up in how it was gonna land on people. And you know, if you've ever been to a presentation where you sense the speaker is nervous, think about how you feel, right? You probably feel nervous too. I know I've been in presentations at big conferences and I know the speaker up there is nervous and I'm really terrified for that person, just willing them to get it together. And you don't want your students in your classes to feel like that. While it can be potentially a point of connection between you and your students because everybody can relate to feeling nervous in front of a group when it comes to public speaking. You don't want your students to come out of their experience and to be thinking about you. You want the teaching to be all about them and you facilitating their journey. And so the more confident you can truly be, and I guess to a certain extent, faking it a little bit works too. However, you really want to be confident right at your core. And so I would say one of the first pillars of powerful teaching is confidence, a high degree of confidence. So the next one is clarity, right? And clarity has to do with, of course, what you say and how you say it, right? Do you say it in a way where it is easy to understand regardless of the person's experience with yoga? Do you say it in a way that's really agnostic with respect to kind of, you know, politics or religion or, you know, it's really at the base level, um, a human experience, right? A human um, uh, description. 
right? Because we don't want to trigger people when they're in our classes. We want them to connect to their humanness. And there's so much, of course, in rooted in yoga philosophy that is void of, of all of those other things and is really just, you know, kind of filtering it down to just the core of our humanness. And so when we are teaching in a way that is clear and our words convey um, that confidence that I talked about in the first part, our students have a better chance of understanding what we want them to do and an ability to do it. And you know, from going to yoga classes, you're overcoming a lot of resistance sometimes to just get yourself there. And your students are experiencing the same thing. So once they're physically in the room, that isn't always enough to get them to start moving forward. Your words need to be said in a way that motivates them and said in a way that cuts through all the external and internal noise so that you can spurn them on to action. So if your phraseology is really long, if you're struggling with word choice, if you're adding a bunch of descriptors that make it hard for people to understand, if you're using words that only experienced students will know, um, all of those kinds of things will get in the way of your words landing on your student in a way that it creates immediate action, right? You want them to just be moving through the practice with um, supported by your clear cues. And in that process, you will find that the distractions are less of a draw for them. I'll give you a perfect example. I used to, especially not so much in this year, since this, this is the second month of the year, but towards the beginning of last year, phones in my classes were getting to be a really big problem. And a lot of students were coming in with phones. And I tried to address it. I worked with the studios that I'm in and both studios have policies. As you know, you can have a policy. It, it's still a challenge for, I think, the yoga community to continually reinforce with students that they shouldn't bring their phones into the studio. If they do, they should be parked somewhere out of their line of sight. And so after a while of trying to manage this, I just decided, you know what? Unless someone is outwardly talking on the phone or texting, I don't care if they have a phone, right? As long as it's not, maybe I should also say flashing light, like if it's flashing a light as if to say it's getting a message or the screen is facing up, that's probably something I would definitely speak to. But if someone has a phone and it's you know just up near their mat, it's turned over, I'm not gonna worry about it anymore. It's my job as the facilitator of the practice to be able to present my cues with such confidence and clarity that I hook them, right? And in that process, they become less attached to these external things, these, these um, temptations, and they become more present. And I can tell you that as soon as I reframed it in that way for myself, I left myself with so much less stress around, oh my God, this person has a phone. And I just became less attached to trying to be a disciplinarian around the phone thing. 
And instead, I just decided, you know what? Why don't I just make this experience so good for these students that they just completely get enraptured by what's happening? Right, and that's always gonna to happen to a particular degree, but I can say it's completely relieved me of a whole bunch of angst and just kind of making assumptions about the person and all that, you don't wanna be going there. So confidence, clarity. The next one is purpose, right? So purpose is not only why are you teaching, like what's your purpose in teaching? What even you know, spurned you on to take teacher training in the first place? Because I can bet if you've been teaching even for less than a year um, and you are starting to have doubts about your skill as a teacher, you're starting to have those fears, anxieties, some of what I talked about at the beginning, you're probably feeling less attached to your purpose, right? You're probably out there and you're probably like, God, why did I even spend this money on training? I've spent $3,000 on this 200 hour training and now I'm out here teaching. Or maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking, I haven't even started teaching. I don't even know why I invested in a teacher training. I got out of it and no one really guided me to the next step. How was I gonna find a job? How was I gonna assimilate all this information into actionable cues that I could share with people? Let alone all this other stuff I'm talking about, dealing with distracted students and all of that. So I, I get that, right? I think that many times we can have an initial purpose and then we start the work and then we lose sight of that initial purpose and doubt creeps in. And those two things are a recipe for disaster, right? Because then we get to a point where we lose our passion, we lose our way, and then we're just like a cork in the ocean. So one of the things that really powerful teachers have is a sense of purpose. And it's not just purpose around their teaching career, right? It's purpose around how they're teaching their classes, right? So a perfect example is if I put you into downward dog and I don't really have a good understanding of what's happening in downward dog from an anatomy standpoint, I'm not really gonna be able to clearly be able to tell you what's your purpose in being in that pose. And I guarantee you that many of your students are going to be in down dog struggling pleading non-verbally with you to give them some reason why you're putting them in this god-awful posture right <laughs> so you need to have a really good idea of what your purpose is for every pose you teach what is the point of the pose why don't you speak to that right and so that's a good uh, way to think about your purpose as it illustrates itself in the context of teaching. And then there's also, like I said before, the broader picture of what's your purpose as a teacher, right? Sometimes teachers write me and they want to work with really specific niche groups of people, elderly people, uh, children with um, behavioral issues, uh, women in prisons, you know, uh, people in rehab centers, the, the list is endless. Even if that's not your story, even if you're looking to teach public classes and public community studios, that kind of thing, 
you still need to have a sense of what your general purpose is. And this purpose is what underlines the business development that you do. And even if you're teaching part-time and you have a full-time career, which is a great recipe, like I think that's a great scenario because it really takes the pressure off of you to live off your teaching earnings. Um, even if that's your setup, you still have to have a sense of what your purpose is as a teacher, right? And then there's, of course, what's your bigger purpose, right? Did you just want to help people? Did you have a personal story, as many people do, for how you found yoga? And through that transformation that you went through, you found your purpose as a teacher. So having purpose, confidence, and clarity, those are three. The next one is impact. Look, there is no denying one of the pillars of powerful teaching is you make an impact. It's not that people are coming to your class and then at the end of class, they sit up and they think, yeah, that felt good. Or maybe they even feel like, oh my God, that felt amazing. And then they leave the studio and they never come back for weeks or they leave the studio and they go home and they're completely overwhelmed within an hour, or they leave the studio and they go back to work the next day. And within a few hours, they have shoulder pain again, right? So I'm not saying that you have to, you know, be the kind of teacher that's going to be able to do all these huge things in your students' lives, like change their psychology or change their physiology around certain injuries that they have. However, your ability, again, to call on your anatomy knowledge, to share it in understandable ways with your students will absolutely increase your impact. It just will. I could give you hundreds of examples of people coming up to me after class and asking me questions. And because I understood anatomy and was able to share it with them in an understandable way, the light bulb went off above their head. I could see in their face that they truly got it. And time after time, what these students say to me is, no one has ever explained it to me. Even when I've asked questions. And that's because there are many yoga teachers out there that are simply repeating what they were taught with no understanding of what they were told. And so, you know, when I hear this from teachers a lot, it's how I was taught. It's how I was taught. It's what I was told. That to me is the most passive statement ever because it basically says, I don't know anything. You know something. Tell me what you know, and I'm just going to go off and say it. And even for someone who has no knowledge of the body, when you get that brain download from someone else, a senior teacher, it's then your responsibility to start asking questions. Well, why is the knee over the heel? Well, why do you want us to turn from the rib cage? Well, why is it called a psoas release? What exactly is happening with the psoas that's releasing it, right? And then when you get the answers that sound wishy-washy and you start to get those answers over and over again that continually sound wishy-washy, you've got to go out and get the answers to the questions. You just do. The industry is just set up that way that, you know, the reality is there are not always teachers sharing anatomy that truly understand it. And so the responsibility lies with the teacher to fill in the gaps. So your impact as a teacher is going to come from how you're sharing that information. And are you sharing it in, like I said before, clear ways, 
confident ways and ways that have purpose. And when you have those other pieces in place, your impact absolutely will grow exponentially. Your classes will start to fill up more. You'll start to see regular students. You'll start to have more questions after class because you're doing, you're sharing the information in a way that's triggering thought in your students, inquiry, inquiry in your students. They're inquiring, you know, kind of even non-verbally about how their body works. They're hearing these cues and they're hearing them in a way that they're not used to hearing them. And then when they ask questions, they realize you've got a lot of enthusiasm about this subject and on and on and on it goes. And so when they're in work the next day, they think back to a cue you gave about shoulders and postures and they do it. When they go home at night after class and they start to feel anxious, maybe they call back to something you said during Shavasana when you were speaking confidently and from the heart and authentically about a particular mindset shift that might be possible for them. So again, this is just all part of a part of a framework for how you can build your impact. So we've done confidence, clarity, purpose, impact. And then the last one is connection, right? Connection is ultimately, you know, what we're doing when we go into a studio and teach. We are building a connection with our students and we're doing it in a very unique way. Because when you think about building connection in just your day-to-day -day life, you're doing that through conversation, whether it's online or in person. And so you're saying, and the person's saying, well, in yoga teaching, think about it. You don't have the advantage of the other person speaking to you. All you're doing is speaking to them. It's essentially like having a conversation with yourself. But of course, you're not having a conversation with yourself. There's a bunch of people in the room. So the conversation that they're having with you is through their body language, is through their response to your cues. And your ability to be able to see what they're doing, adapt what you're saying so that your conversation is having an impact on them in a positive way, that's where connection happens. I can tell you in my teaching, sometimes I'll even just kind of pose it to the group. I'll say, hey, I'm going to give you a cue now. I want to see if you can integrate this in your body. Tuck your right hip under. And so I'll give them that preface as a way to kind of wake them out of, you know, if they're kind of in meditation in a way or in the zone, I want to wake them up. And I want to say something that maybe is a little bit of a higher level cue. Direct your sitting bone towards your back heel. Bend your front knee and draw the thigh bone in a little closer and then see if you can tuck your right hip under. Does that, does that create a little bit more twist? And is your pelvis now facing the wall a little bit more than facing the ground? Whatever it is, give them, giving them that preface kind of lets them know, hey, I want to be alert for this next cue. And then for me as a teacher, when I offer the cue, I'm looking at them and I'm seeing who's integrating that cue, who's able to do it. I might notice some students who are going in both directions, sticking their hip out, tucking their hip under, and I might go over to them and just kind of give them some one-on-one -on -one verbal without even touching their body. Just say, oh, just tuck the right hip under a little bit more. Great. And so that's the communication and that's the connection. And so through that connection, you'll begin to know that your words are landing, that your students are present, 
and all the other things will follow. Your impact is happening, your purpose is clear, the clarity of, of the cues that you're offering are, uh, it's all there so that your students are not having to filter through uh, some kind of like filter to be able to have your cues land on their body in an understandable way. So let me just kind of run through the five pillars for you. Confidence, clarity, purpose, impact, and connection. Now, given all those things and all that you just listened to, you may be saying, okay, this all sounds great, but how do I do this? And we're basically at the same point we were at the end of Thursday's episode, which is episode 56, and that, that mini podcast series that I released last week. It's all the same thing, guys, right? It's having a good understanding of anatomy as your foundation. And then through that understanding of anatomy, building the cues that essentially become the vehicle through which all these things are possible. So if you've listened to this entire episode and light bulbs are going off and this is resonating with you on a deep, deep level, you're feeling like you've lost your way you really are hearing this and thinking, I definitely want this for my teaching. Do not wait. I want you to DM me on Instagram or email me, Karen at barebonesyoga.com. Let me get you that offer page. The offer ends Friday. And it's not uh, just the online course, which in and of itself would be, would be great, would be a great tool for you. I supplement it with live coaching sessions, my anatomy manual, and a $100 credit towards my June retreat in Costa Rica. So all you're buying is the course and uh, all the other things are thrown in as a bonus. Now, the other thing I wanna just say before I wrap up is sometimes people buy courses and they never do them or they don't do them right away or they buy a course and then they start to feel all this pressure to do the course. So I want you to realize that when you invest in the course, you don't need to go through it right away. If you're the kind of person that likes to do that, do it. If you're not, and you have a lot of things going on in your life, maybe right now you're listening and you're thinking, I don't have time to do a course. I want, you to, I want to reframe it for you. Your investment in the course means you're investing in a tool that you will always have. You will have lifetime access to the course. And in fact, I update it regularly. So the value of the course goes up, but when you buy it, that's the only thing you ever pay. You can go through it whenever you want. Because I've learned from other teachers who have invested in my program, what I've learned from them is what they really need is the live coaching to create this cues template. And so that's what I do through these group coaching sessions. And even if you can't make the calls, which of course would be great for you to make because that's when you can ask questions back, they're all recorded. So you can simply listen to the recording uh, after the call is done and you'll have lifetime access to those. So this is really an investment in your teaching. It is so much cheaper than doing what you're doing now, which I know what you're doing now. You're going to these random trainings, you're spending thousands of dollars on these trainings, you're taking time off where you're making money to go to these different places to do trainings. And you're coming home from these trainings and you're inspired maybe for a week or so, but you still don't have what you need. You don't have the purpose. You don't have the clarity. You don't have the confidence. You don't feel like you're making the impact and you sure aren't making a connection with your students 
in many cases because the words are coming out garbled, you don't have the baseline knowledge. So this program is meant to give you that. And I wanna also add that I included a guarantee, which you will never get in any yoga program you buy in, in at all. So this is a 30-day guarantee. And if you buy the program and you participate in the calls and you go through the course and you do the work and you find that you're not, you know, even with my coaching, able to get, get the cues together, I'll give you your money back. But you have to participate, right? It's not the kind of thing where you can buy it and then just ask for your money back. Um, the other thing I want to just end by sharing with you is this. And this is just kind of a, a thought question I'm going to pose to you. If you do nothing, if you listen to this offer and you think this sounds interesting, but you just kind of discount it for whatever reason, you don't have time, you don't have money, you're not ready to invest, it's not the right time for you, whatever, whatever roadblock you throw up, I want to ask you, what's going to change? And what's the impact of not making a change? Because if any of those things that I went through resonated with you, I promise you, if you don't do something different, none of those things will change. They'll just continue to be a challenge for you. So this is an opportunity for you to do something different and to not only do something different for you, but to do something that other yoga teachers are not doing. The bulk of yoga teachers are just really going through Yoga Alliance trainings many of which I'm sure are great. I have taken some great trainings uh, that have been part of the Yoga Alliance endorsed uh, process. However, if you're looking for something specific and you've been doing kind of the same thing that everybody else has been doing and it's not been working for you, why would you continue to do that? And I know from talking to so many yoga teachers that doing the same thing that everybody else is doing is not working for them. And that's how I crafted this program. That's why I crafted this program to really encourage teachers to have the confidence to kind of step outside the norm in a way and invest in a different thing to help them with their teaching. Now, having said that, of course, you're going to get Yoga Alliance CEUs for this because I am a Yoga Alliance teacher. I'm an experienced registered yoga teacher. The hours you spend doing this, you can still use as non-contact CEUs. And if you come to the, uh, the retreat in Costa Rica, you can use the hours you're there for context that you use. So I'm not saying let's throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm simply saying that when you're looking for something specific, i.e. building anatomy-based cues, going to general teacher trainings is probably not going to get you that tactical kind of information. So Having said that, we're at the end of the podcast. I want to thank you, thank you, thank you again so much for listening. And again, email me. I'll get you that link. And don't forget, if you have a second, I would love uh, to hear what you think of the podcast. Just write a review on iTunes. So until the next episode, have a wonderful, wonderful day. And I'll talk to you soon. Namaste.